You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. All right, this is the one. I can feel it. Podcast, 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 podcast. The first and the best Chiefs podcast. Real ones know the show is called Amateur Hour. The Amateur Hour podcast is now airing on KC Sports Network. Ryan Scott Hall and his Dirkness are back again. We've got football, friendship, and fun. All these shows, we're still number one, season 12. Oh, wow, here it comes. Welcome, my friends, to Emma, Amateur Hour Podcast. Podcast. Man, I can't hit that note right. Podcast! Is that right? Ah, well. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. What is this, Amateur Hour? Yeah, I ain't no Superman businessman like you. You know, I'm just a amateur. That's a pose. Amateur hour is what's happening. Amateur hour is what's happening. Yeah, that's right, folks. I'm Ryan Scott Hall, and joining me today, my swag surfing soul brother, his darkness, subsicles in the mustache, all over the mustache, of laughing at your swag surf. (laughs) I've never swag surfed. I don't ever did I do it right? No, uh, that was as white as all of the people in the suite. Um, it's so it's funny. My in a rolling chair. Uh the the black people that I know have complained so much about that clip because they're like none of them are doing the dance correctly. And I'm like, <laughs> it's Taylor Swift. She's got no rhythm. Sorry, the singing, but the girl can't dance or clap. <laughs> oh, she's figuring things out. I'd say she's doing pretty good. Honestly, the high fours. Uh, high fours. That was a that was an odd thing. Like a four horseman. I was it for Rasheed Rice. I assume she. That's a Rasheed. She got she got her eye on Rasheed. Maybe she has a friend she's gonna set up with Rasheed Rice. Oh, okay, I like it. Um, I uh, I'll be able to add to her sales pitch on Rasheed Rice a little bit later in the show. But first, Dirk, we've been talking about the identity. Of the 2023 Chiefs for most of the season. Did they finally figure out who they are heading into the biggest game of the year? Man, I I, I really think they might have. And, you know, it's it's crazy uh, because I think the team almost admitted as much, you know, after that Raiders loss and before that Bengals game with the whole simplify the offense theory. Uh, and they put that out there to anybody who would listen that week, and everyone's kind of spouting off about it. And now you've kind of seen it, um, you know, it come to fruition these last uh, two games that they've played. But I, I do think that's the story with the team right now. And I'm, I'm going to kind of pack, pat ourselves, Mahomes ourselves on the back right here, both of us, because for about a month before that Bengals game, Ryan was pleading that this is now a defensive team that they needed to change their mindset, you know, get to a point where you're okay kicking field goals. You're shoring up the turnovers. Mahomes, Mahomes out there throwing it, 
throwing it away a season high seven times in this game. His previous season high on on the season was four. Uh, so you saw that come come to fruition. Uh, running the ball, but the simplifying the offense, that's about as much as an admission you're going to get from an NFL team um, that, you know, they're kind of changing their mindset. You can kind of see the team figuring it out. Um, and that's what I was been touting all season. This team will figure it out come January. When you have the brain trust of Andy Reid, when you have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, and now you're adding this defense to the mix, you know, we went through all these struggles all season long, and, you know, it might not look the same, you know, with Kelsey's regression on uh, MVS's leftovers like departure from Earth. Uh, but they had to figure out a new way. Um, and But they knew they had all season to figure it out because they are a January team. And that was always their focus. And both these perspectives kind of came to a head on Christmas Day when they got absolutely embarrassed by the Raiders. They, they hit rock bottom. We talked about them hitting rock bottom a couple times this season. But they actually did hit rock bottom that Christmas day when the entire country is watching them get embarrassed at home by the lowly Raiders. And they figured out they needed to reassess themselves. And I think it might have been the best thing for this team. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to take too big a victory lap here because they basically reached, you know, the floor of where this team should be. You know, the divisional round. Uh, you know, I never thought this team would lose to the wild, in the wild card round unless it was like they drew Buffalo or something like that. Um, but I do think you can now say... I feel comfortable saying that this team is at a similar level as a team as last year. Um, it's a different style, obviously. It's much more defensive. We talked about that. Um, but, you know, like going back to last year, I don't think anybody would have been shocked, you know, if we lose to, like, Buffalo in the divisional round or Cincinnati in the AFC Championship. You know, they're right there as one of the best three to five teams in the league, and then they gutted out three close wins to win the Super Bowl. That's how you win a Super Bowl. I don't... I don't think they were just like hands down the best team. You rarely get a Super Bowl team who's just like a runaway Super Bowl champion. They were right there. They were one of the best. And then they won the close games. And after a lot of turbulence, I think they're right back in the same spot this year. And I'm expecting something very similar this weekend. And so it's time to go out and see if they can, they can pull out another close win in a heated battle that everybody wants to see this weekend against the Buffalo Bills. I think that like what is so interesting to me uh, is that I got to a point maybe more than once this year where I was just telling myself they're not going to figure it out. Like, you know, the, the, the ups and downs, particularly after uh, the six and one start where it was like they, the only thing that they had in terms of a streak after starting six and one was two losses in a row. It was every other week, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. And they just looked so discombobulated at times and man that game on saturday night in the absolutely frigid temperatures here in kansas city suddenly i mean look i know it was a playoff game and all but like that was the most satisfying win of the season for me um back-to-back -back best game of the year i was saying that the win over the Bengals was the best game that they had played this season in terms of embracing that defensive team. I know everybody's complaining about the efficiency in the red zone, and that happened again. We can we can talk about that here in a minute, but like I I they are playing their best football in January. And and I mean, shame on me for thinking that maybe they weren't going to get there, but there were just so many signs throughout the year, despite what they were saying, we are so close. We are so close. We're going to turn that corner. I mean, consistently, 
very optimistic, positive messaging from Andy, from Pat, from Matt Nagy, from Travis, you know, and, and eventually we come to this kind of breaking point, like you mentioned on Christmas and what's the word they use? Simplify. We're going to simplify some things. And I don't know if that was it. I don't know if it was the, the simplification of the offense. I don't know if it was recognizing, like I heard in the press conferences, the week uh, leading up to this game, uh, leading up to the division or, or the, sorry, the, the wild card round game against Miami on Saturday, I heard Patrick Mahomes, Matt Nagy, and Travis Kelsey all, now paraphrasing here, but all of them said the exact same thing. We have a tremendous defense and we have to play complimentary football to them. It's like they finally recognized it. You know, I, I talked about the major league problem that they had. Like, can they not see who they are? Do they need glasses? Well, folks, Ricky Vaughn has got his spectacles on, all right? Because the Chiefs know who they are. And now they are as dangerous as any team in the NFL because they actually have an identity and they know how to play the right way. Yeah, I mean, and you're seeing it with the offense. I mean, look at the first drive of the game. It is just a steady dose. Isaiah Pacheco, Travis Kelsey, and Rasheed Rice. They've, they've figured out these are our three. This is who we're riding. Those are the only three players to touch the ball in that drive. Boom, right down the field and touchdown to just take full control of this game. All right, now Tua, you can't go out here and play small ball the rest of the game. You're going to be playing from behind the entire game. Let's see what you can do out here in this cold. And, I mean, obviously they couldn't do anything. I didn't even didn't need like an opening drive touchdown, but that just set the tone for the game and they rode their guys. And, you know, it's so much complaints about snap counts all season long. Like, where's Rasheed Rice's snap counts? You know, they're giving it to MVS. They're doing this. They knew that they had all season. The goal wasn't to, you know, overload Rasheed Rice in week nine. The goal wasn't to have him ready in week nine. The goal was to have him ready in January. And now you look at Rasheed Rice, who had 130 yards in his playoff debut, which is one fewer yard, as Nick Wright points out, than Tyreek Hill had in his two playoff seasons with the Dolphins. So Tyreek had 131 yards combining his playoff game last year and this year. Rasheed Rice in his playoff debut, 130 yards this year. So you just, you see them just figure out what they have. They tried, they knew they had to have that other receiver. So they're kind of just like, well, we have to have a guy like MVS. We have to have a guy like McColl, a guy that can do these things. And you saw those shots and they didn't work in this game. If they had, you know, we'd be talking about, you know, a 44 to seven kind of blowout here. If McColl just makes a few plays on those uh, deep shots, um, they need that guy. But still, even having that guy and having the separation and getting him open behind the defense like that, that still opens everything else up underneath. And it's it's crazy that you just seen them embrace their new identity like this. It was it was it was good to see. I thought Mahomes looked the best he had all season. Uh, I thought he was decisive. I thought he was mentally ahead of every single blitz that came his way. I thought it was the perfect mix of aggressive enough to pick up third and longs. He picked up a 10-yard third and 10, a third and seven, and a third and 10 all in the first half, but conservative enough to, to know that, you know, I need to throw the ball away sometimes. I'm not going to get sacked in the entire game. I'm not going to turn the ball over, and I'm going to protect the points when we can get the points. Um, and so you can complain about the field goals all that you want, but we're going to keep stockpiling points. This offense has now scored on 13 of their last 17 drives going back to the Cincinnati game. Um, I'm removing the last two from this Miami game because the, the game was over. Um, you know, 
how you know it was over because they took a third down deep shot to MVS. You know, that's that kind of marked the end of the game for, for everybody involved. Um, so 13 scoring drives on their last 17 drives. Uh, a very, very good rate since they've embraced this new style of offense and team mentality. Yeah, I mean, I knew uh, after the Bengals game, I, I want to say it was seven of nine, um, six of nine uh, again. Seven of nine, yeah. Seven, I mean, and, and I think it was six of nine against Miami. Um, and I wasn't even, you know, going through it trying to count like which ones they maybe uh, did like the the NBS toss, like you mentioned. Uh, they were probably six of eight and seven of nine the last two weeks, uh, you know, excluding the Chargers game when the starters weren't out there. Um, I mean, some other signs, though, that they're figuring some things out. We have talked about how this offense is most dangerous when they are balanced. Pat dropped back to pass 43 times. He scrambled twice and let off 41 pass attempts. They also handed the ball off 32 times. 41 passes to 32 runs is about as balanced as I think we're going to see. Um, it was maybe even more passing than whether it was fans were thinking. Uh, certainly, it sounds like the Dolphins were thinking. Uh, they really came out and started just throwing the ball comfortably, and then Andy has that that kind of a jab at Tua. As spicy as Andy gets, I guess, uh, not everybody can throw it in this weather. Um but man, I mean, you you pounded Pacheco 24 carries. The guy was an absolute animal. Um, I I love the stat uh that you shared right at the top. And in case you guys weren't catching it, you weren't paying attention at the very beginning. Pat Mahomes had seven throwaways in that game, and the previous high this season was four. I mean, he was putting the ball in the dirt consistently throughout the game because he says. We're going to live to fight another down. And and I, dude, I tell you what. Even with those seven throwaways, the Chiefs managed to have 400 yards of offense, even in the like incredible sub-zero temperatures, over 400 yards of offense. You know how many times they did that in the regular season? Three. It's one of their best offensive games of the year. I mean, they are producing, which is certainly helping them, the fact that they're getting into the red zone so often. Um, and ultimately putting points on the board so consistently. But man, they are moving the ball. They are being patient. They're figuring out how to be efficient. And as we'll talk about after a break here coming up, um, I don't even think they're doing anything that special. It's wonderful to watch. What was your your point there? I saw you lift your finger. Well, I was, I was just going to say it was their third most yards of the season. Um, and they're most since week seven. And so they've had seven games this season where they've gone over 360 yards. The They've done that in weeks two, three, four, six, and seven. So five in the first seven weeks of the season. And then the Cincinnati game and the wildcard game against the Dolphins. So they had it going early. They went into a huge lull. And then here they are in January figuring it out once again. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about this Dolphins game before we transition into Chiefs Bills right after this break. We appreciate you supporting KC Sports Network by listening to our podcast. You have helped us become the highest ranked Chiefs Podcast Network in 2022 and 2023. And don't forget about our daily Substack newsletter, the best written analysis you can find on the Chiefs straight to your inbox every day. KCSN.substack.com. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. 
Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Whether your New Year's resolution is to save money, eat better, or stress less, HelloFresh is here to help you do all three. Say hello to your most delicious year yet with fresh ingredients and chef-crafted recipes at a price you'll like delivered right to your doorstep. Make saving time your breeziest resolution with quick, convenient recipes delivered right to you. Just choose your meals and select your delivery date. HelloFresh handles the meal planning and shopping, so all you'll have to do is open your weekly box of pre-portioned ingredients and step-by-step -step recipes to get cooking. HelloFresh can make cooking with your family fun, easy, and simple. Go to HelloFresh.com slash KCSNFree and use code KCSNFree for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash KCSNFree with code KCSNFree. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now let's get back to the show. Well, folks, if you love sports and you're here, so of course you do, uh, maybe you should think about coaching some local youth in order to share that love of sports with a younger audience. Uh, our partners this year, the Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Kansas City, they need your help. Beyond their after-school programming that's going on, they also have leagues for baseball, softball, basketball, flag football, and more. So if you find yourself coaching from the couch during games, just consider coaching from the sidelines as a volunteer with the Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Kansas City. All you got to do is visit helpkckids.org and click on volunteer for more information. Your company can hit it out of the park with a sports league sponsorship with Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Kansas City, reach thousands of local families while giving kids the opportunity to get in the game. Contact giving at helpkckids.org for more information. Uh, you know, Dirk, one way that I think the offense really found success, like the method to their madness against the Dolphins, was that they just decided, you know what? We're going to throw it to our best players. We're going to focus on the production of these big three with Pacheco, Kelsey, and now Rasheed Rice. Um, thanks to Carrington Harrison at 610 Sports KC for doing the math for me. Uh, 40 touches, 279 yards combined for Pacheco, Kelsey, and Rice. The rest of the offense, 
15 touches for 79 yards. Uh, it's phenomenal, man. If you go through and look, what Rasheed Rice did was impressive. The eight for 130 and a touchdown should have been nine for about 138 and two touchdowns. Um, that was a, a, a very questionable penalty. Juwan Taylor getting shoved in the back and then him hitting someone else in the back. And it was also not really consequential to the play. Whatever. Anyway, Rasheed Rice had 12 targets, which is the exact same number as all of the other guys on the team, not named Kelsey, combined. I mean, like, this is the type of stuff that teams have to do. You gotta have it. We're throwing it to Rasheed Rice. Like, most of the game, Mahomes isn't even bothering with the other pass catchers. And you end up getting a vintage Travis Kelsey performance almost a little too vintage with the drops. It looked like young Kelsey out there. Like uh, maybe he was over, over vintaged over not stored properly. I don't know what it was, um, but like what you got from Kelsey in that game is literally all that you need from him at this stage. If Pacheco is going to be able to run and if Rasheed Rice is going to be able to play like that. Now here's, here's the thing. I mentioned that Rasheed Rice had, 12 targets in this game, as many as the rest of his teammates not named Travis Kelsey combined. He also ended up with 50 more yards than the rest of them, probably all of that coming with his yards after the catch because he is, uh, I believe he finished third, uh, but didn't really play in the final game of the season, was the league leader going into week 18 and yards after the catch as a rookie. How Rasheed amassed these 130 yards, these eight receptions in his playoff debut. It wasn't impressive. I mentioned that before the break. It was a lot of short, easy throws with some yak tacked on. This simplified offense, man, it's it's working. And because that deep ball is not hitting, because he you know can't seem to find that connection with McColl for the fifth straight year, uh, for the second straight year, can't really seem to get anything working with MBS. Um, I think that like the guy that I feel most confident is going to catch it when Mahomes is throwing it more than 20 yards outfield is Justin Watson. Whiteson, maybe? I'm not sure. But here's the thing. Because that deep game isn't working, I think it's about time that we see a double move for Rasheed Rice. Because teams are going to start cluing in on all the slants and the drags and the hooks, a lot of these like run across the zone. And as he runs, he's creating space. Um, I think if they allow him to do one of those and whether we're talking about like a wheel route and he ends up taking up the sideline or he runs that drag and then turns it up field. I know it's, it's, we got to hit you a lot of now, Dirk. I got to, I got to break it down. Phil, look at this offensive scheme coming from you. I'm just telling you, man, I'll follow the finger, follow the finger machine. I think, I want to say it was Verderam. He uh, pulled a play up because he was talking about Bobby Slowick um, and, and Houston with their very impressive round one performance, putting up 40-plus on largely considered the best events in the NFL for the Browns. Um, he, he had this clip of Dalton Schultz basically running that route. He's like dragging across the field and then uh, ends up cutting deep, and he is just wide open, absolutely wide open on that Schultz touchdown. And that's the kind of thing that if they're going to be biting on the short stuff with Rasheed, I think that there is an opportunity to maybe throw a double move in there. And that's something I'm going to be looking for in this game against Buffalo. Well, I, 
and he didn't go too deep. I mean, Rasheed basically has like one deep catch on the year, and it was in like yeah. a major blown coverage. Was that Cincinnati? I think it was. Much it was a game. Here it, it was the one when he said he recognized that they were like in cover zero, and he said, "I'm just I'm gonna run this." It yeah, was... I don't think the safety like came over properly, and so he just popped like wide open. So we haven't seen too much of that, but he was doing kind of the deep over stuff, which is what we've seen. You know, we've seen Kelsey and Tyreek do this throughout the years, and it's just kind of from the slot, and you're just sprinting across the field and catching the ball at like at a 15 to 20-yard angle pretty much. He had a couple of those in this game. Uh, I think that's that's a, a pretty good spot for him. I feel like that's kind of usually like a Kelsey route, and they kind of maybe have been saving Rasheed running it all season and, and kind of busting it out in this game. Um, but you also saw a really impressive play from him. It was a, I want to say it was a third and 10, and Mahomes had time in the pocket, and he was staying in the pocket, and Rashid just kind of sits there and finds the hole in the zone. Finds the hole in the zone. And that's how many times have we seen Mahomes and his receivers not be on the same page of finding that hole in the zone? And they did a great job doing that, I thought, on that play. So I thought Rashid had um, a couple couple nice plays. Some decent, not deep, nothing deep, uh, but a few intermediate uh, catches, which I think is, you know, a lot of the season was just like, we got to get the ball into his hands as quick as possible, you know, real quick over the middle against the zone, just a smoke screen out there to him or something like that. Uh, so I think you're starting to see him do more and more, which is just wildly impressive to a point now where receiving prop ahead of this game, his yardage is higher than Stefan Diggs. I mean, if I had told you that eight weeks ago, the Chiefs are going to play the Bills in a playoff game and they're going to have a receiver with the higher receiving prop than Stefan Diggs, not Kelsey. Not Travis Kelsey, a wide receiver with a higher receiving prop than Stefan Dix, who was a maybe top five. I mean, he has a weird decline in the second half of the season, but he was kind of a top five receiver going into that, top 10 receiver kind of. Uh, but now, not seemingly on the same page with Josh, and now the the Chiefs have the highest projected receiver in that game. That's a, that's a wild uh, swing from things earlier in the season. Um, I want to switch over to the defense from this game. Are you ready to switch? To the defense. I'm definitely ready to switch. They deserve it. The defense was dominant. Um, you know, we're talking a lot about the Chiefs offense here, and that's going up against a Dolphin defense that was filled with injuries. Um, so they should have produced in this game despite the cold. Um, but the Dolphins offense was at full strength. Um, you know, it might have been too a cold out for <laughs> too a cold out there for them. I couldn't even spit it out. Um, but the defense basically, I mean, allowed one play. Um, beyond that, and even if McDuffie makes the tackle on that play, you're looking at a first and goal from the 10 or a first and 10 from the 11 right in there. And I think there's a good chance that they hold him to three on that drive. Like the defense was just absolutely dominant against what finished. What, did they finish the number one offense in the league or maybe the number two offense in the league? Like I know they were faltering down the stretch and I know it was cold, but they didn't have a chance. And, and you know, they just completely shut them down. It was a dominant performance. Zero plays inside the red zone for the Dolphins offense. Two missed tackles in the entire game. And I really think the stuff that was coming out after this game, saw multiple players saying it, a rallying cry behind luxurious need. They asked Nick Bolton about what happened in the game or something. And he just doesn't even answer the question. He just says, what it was like, what does this say about your defense? That luxurious need should be in the pro bowl. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Like that's, that's an odd answer. It's not really what I asked, but, you can tell that like teams need like rallying cries like this. They need something like a message to rally behind and get behind. Like 
they love to be an underdog. I mean, we've got sick over it over the years with the Patriots saying it over and over, like, you guys aren't the underdog. You got to go over this. But that didn't stop them from saying it inside the locker room. And they rallied behind it and they believed it. And the rallying cry for this defense, for this team right now, kind of seems to be rallying behind Legereus need not getting into the Pro Bowl or an all-pro berth. It's it's awesome to see. Uh, the thing that I think a lot of people were worried about, I know I came into this game feeling really confident, but I figured if there's one way that the Dolphins are going to get the Chiefs, it's that they're going to be able to run the ball effectively. And it's this Chiefs run defense. You know, people are saying that like this, you know, that might be the fly in the ointment for this team. Um, quietly, the run defense, not as efficient or effective as you would like. And Inter, you know, one of the best run game designers in the league, a guy that is coming from the Shanahan tree who produces thousand yard rushers like it's nothing. And I'm sitting here thinking, God, dude, like that, that is scary. It's cold. Neither team is really going to want to throw the ball and they're going to be able to scheme up the run. Did, did, have you, have you seen, have you seen the numbers? Have you seen the six carries for nine yards for Devon Achan? Have you seen that Achan and Mostert combined for fewer than 70 yards from scrimmage? I mean, they absolutely sniffed out every single thing that the Dolphins were doing. And, and honestly, I think including the touchdown play. Like, it was this terribly underthrown pass and... and I did, dude, did you see McDuffie talk about it? Like, what well, I, I just, okay, he's, Trent McDuffie is phenomenal. Like, the second year in the league, all pro, fantastic. Can you imagine if Legereus Sneed, they said that, so he, the top four guys uh, in voting become the all pros for first team and second team. Um, Sneed was fifth. Yeah. He was just outside of, of the circle. Um, can you imagine if Snead and McDuffie both named all pro, like just what a banner that would be for this defense. Um, McDuffie gets the slot corner all pro spot. Uh, but as a second year player, such an impressive thing. And every time I listen to this, this guy talk, I'm just blown away by it. He's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm chasing Tyreek Hill. And the only thing I'm really focused on is trying to keep up with him. And then you know, then I, I really wish I would have made that tackle. Like we don't get a shutout because I don't make that play. I'll be better next time. It's not going to happen again. And like, really, I didn't even see like Tyreek had created separation. He's the fastest player in the league, but like, it really kind of seemed like McDuffie was running stride for stride with him. Tyreek wasn't getting more separation as they were running. It wasn't like he was pulling away from him. Um, and, and really apart from that play, it just seemed like they had nothing. Uh, I want to say Tua ended up with fewer than 200 passing yards, and the drive at that that they ended on when I think they ended up getting two fourth down conversions on that last drive. I mean, Tua probably had 50 or so passing yards on that last drive. Uh, I know he picked one of those up with his legs. Tua running, uh, very interesting. Had about 74 rushing yards all year. And I think he had like 35 in this game. One of my favorite tweets was Tua's sneaky unathletic. <laughs> there you go, right? <laughs> it was a perfect description. It's <laughs> like, man, he is like incredibly slow. Incredibly. But, um, I mean, 
I, one thing that I did find really interesting, and we don't have to like dig into the snap counts or anything, but um, the the like third most played defensive back that is getting reps at both corner and safety. Um, we saw, I think, 15 more snaps for Chamari Connor than Joshua Williams. Um, and Jalen Watson was all the way down at just like 11 snaps. Uh, but the Chiefs really went, uh, I believe what Craig calls it, is big nickel uh, because they go to three safeties instead of three corners. Um, and that's not necessarily, I think, what most people would expect against Miami, uh, that, that you would probably want the lighter, faster guys. But man, they were just... It's you mentioned only two missed tackles in the game. Um, I, a lot of people are saying maybe Nick Bolton's best performance. Um, and I, I could, I could see best performance this year because he got hurt early in the year. Um, and hasn't quite been himself since he came back, but like, I didn't think that Nick Bolton did anything particularly like, Oh my gosh, look at Nick Bolton. I know that he made some plays. He looked like Nick Bolton to me. And so I, I thought it was kind of surprising that everybody has been like really shouting out Bolton after that game because it really just looked like another Nick Bolton game to me. He looked healthy. Um, and that's fantastic. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I think Nick Bolton, he had a couple tough games when he came back from the injury, uh, especially against Buffalo, uh, which we'll kind of get to here. Um, but I mean, th- there's a lot of dislike for Nick Bolton out there. I, I like to defend him because I think he is good, full stop. But my, my only issue is that I think Drew Tranquil is really good. And so I just want that guy on the field. Like it's, it's less about bringing down Nick Bolton and more about bringing up Drew Tranquil. But I do think Nick Bolton had a really great game. He was everywhere out there. He had uh, eight of his 10 tackles were stops, uh, according to PFF, which is a negative play, which I think is a run under three yards and a throw under six yards, I want to say, or something like that. Uh, but it's basically like a win for the defense. Uh, so Nick Bolton did really good. Uh, Shamari Connor was interesting. Chimichanga Carter. Kind of, um, it was it's he played a lot in the first game against the Dolphins, uh, so that was kind of interesting. It's kind of a game plan specific thing, I think. Uh, also, he's just playing more since uh, Brian Cook went down. Um, and then Jalen Watson, I heard, I heard some people said he got banged up against the Chargers in the last game. I never saw him on an injury report or anything. Um, I just think Jalen Watson is a really good player, and so I really want him playing uh, over Joshua Williams. Um, and they seem to kind of, I don't know, trade off or maybe Watson's banged up, but you know, that's something that we might kind of see here play out in this next game against the bills with go three receivers heavy. Uh, but I always want Jalen Watson out there because I think he's a really good player and it's nothing against Joshua Williams. I just really like Jalen Watson. A couple more quick points on the defense, but first a little break. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs, is bringing you an offer that'll help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet five bucks on any game and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Now, if you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code KCSN, you can bet just five bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. The crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, you need to call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, you can call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas... 
21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Uh, so real quick, before we transition to Chiefs bills, uh, a couple other things on the defense. Uh, number one, one of the first things that came out of Andy Reid's mouth when he got to the podium after the game was one of 12 on third down. Um, they, I just, it, it's like Miami just did not have answers. Um, and, and not only was the defense physically dominating Miami, I think that they were just bringing it on every single play. I remember seeing one, uh, I went to try to rewatch the game today and could only find like a, like a highlight package. that was about 15, 20 minutes long. And they showed this play where tranquil, chases down from the backside it's like they're doing uh the the zone to the edge on the opposite side of the field and tranquil from the backside chases this play down and i believe it's uh hm that he wrangles for like a two yard loss on a third and three maybe um and i'm looking i was like who who is 23 oh it's tranquil um i mean look dude it I, it felt like everybody had an opportunity to go out and make a play. And whether it's defensive backs being competitive at the catch point, whether it's Mike Edwards getting that interception early on, whether it's all of the different linebackers showing up um, and making their their plays, um, guys on the defensive line. I mean, George Karloftis was phenomenal. I saw you mention your boy Warthog getting after it in the run game. Um, you know, whether, whether it's Charles Aminahu having a 25% pressure rate um, just seeing like he was involved in everything. Chris Jones continues to be unblockable. This defense, man, what a special, special group of players. And I just love that the team seems to realize we can lean on them. Like they are what we do best. And so let's do every single thing that we can to put them in positions to play that way. Yeah, and I just want to highlight a, a play uh, early on when it's still 13-7. Uh, Dolphins driving a little bit. They're at the Kansas City 44 on the fourth and fourth and one. It's closer to a fourth and two, I think. Um, and the Chiefs go two-man rush. Uh, and I and and two-man rush, and Ominahu wins pretty early in that. Forces, forces Tua to step up. Willie Gay sitting there in a QB spy just kind of waiting for him. So he steps up kind of right into Willie. Has Tyreek open the whole time, whereas if he just has a clean pocket against a two-man rush, he probably just gets that to Tyreek real quick, and they move the move the sticks and, and convert like that. But because of the pressure from Amino in a two-man rush, and then Willie Gay stepping up right in that spy, which is a great call by Spags and a great job by Willie, they come in and McDuffie breaks that pass up. So an, a huge play early on in that game when it was still a ball game. Um, and you mentioned the one of 12. I went back and looked. The Dolphins are three of 12 in the first game against the Chiefs. So they finish four of 24 on third downs against the Chiefs defense. Just a complete annihilation from Steve Spagnuolo against maybe the hottest young coach in the NFL and Mike McDaniel. Just annihilation across two games. And and one more shout out for Snead, who doesn't allow a single touchdown. You think about McDuffie doesn't play that bad on that play and gives up a touchdown. Snead doesn't give up a single touchdown the entire season. I feel like we haven't given him enough airtime on this show. And I just, Snead's season is unbelievable. He annihilates Tyreek off the line. He's the tone setter for this team. Like, I don't, 
we kind of talked about leaders for a lot. He might be the tone setter now because he comes out and punks the top receiver on the other team every single game. Every single game. He's going to do it to Stefan Diggs this game. He might get a ball for legal hands to the face, and that's fine because the message that it sends is just like, Sneed is fucking here. He has given up one catch to Tyreek and Waddle across both games. So, I mean, that's that might be the best receiver combo in the league. And here's Sneed, doesn't care, shuts him down. He, he changed positions this year, going from slot corner to playing outside and chasing top receivers. That's That seems impossible, and it seems like, oh man, I hope he can hold up. He didn't just hold up, he excelled and was the best quarterback in the NFL this season. I don't need to watch anybody else. I've I've watched the guys who, who took first-team All-Pro. They're not as good as LeJarius Sneed. That dude is phenomenal. I, I love LeJarius Sneed. He will be my next jersey purchase. Well, and America had a front-row seat for the, the style of play that you're getting from Jalen Ramsey at this point. Um, about as involved in the run game as Marcus Peters. Um, really just not playing physical, not playing competitive. And I mean, this is as important as it gets, man. And I just, that's, they got a bunch of gamers, man. And I, I honestly believe that there may not be a coordinator in the NFL doing a more consistently, uh, just incredible job on a week to week basis than Steve Spagnuolo right now. Um, you know, you can point to some of the hot coordinator candidates, uh, you know, guys like Bobby Slowick, what he's done with CJ Stroud this year, uh, Ben Johnson with a bunch of really odd parts in Detroit, and yet they still have just been scoring back-to-back years. Um, but, dude, what what Spags is doing right now, and, and the fact that he has basically no oversight, that guy has carte blanche, all right? We're not talking about the offensive coordinator in Miami or or even in Kansas City. No offense, Matt Nagy, but like this is that's the Andy Reid show. Well, this defense, there is nobody telling Spags what to do. He is absolutely like the head coach of that defense, and they're one of the best units in the NFL. Um, They're just so good, and they give me so much confidence going into this Buffalo game. I I wanted to look at a couple things here. Um, We don't tend to like do a whole lot of preview. It's usually review on this show, but man, you couldn't ask for a better game in the divisional round, it's the matchup that we deserve. It's the matchup that I I personally wanted. Um, in the last three postseasons, the Bills have lost to the Chiefs in the AFC Championship. They have lost to the Chiefs in the divisional round. And then they lost to the Bengals for the right to lose to the Chiefs. Uh, couldn't even make their way uh, to the AFC Championship last year. And so I know that this is a game. Like I, I actually, in watching that game against Pittsburgh, I think that it wasn't... It wasn't as close as people want to make it out to be. I know they made it a one-possession game in the fourth quarter, but I look at it, man, and I'm just like, the Bills are in a different class than Pittsburgh. I'm glad that they won convincingly. Um, It was really an expected result for me. I like that everything kind of came easy for them. Uh, No TJ Watt out there. Uh, They're playing against Mason Rudolph. Like that is a wild card team, right? Uh, that you know the Chiefs actually played a different version of that team in the Steelers a couple of years ago and waxed that ass too with a wild card round, right? But false confidence is a hell of a drug, folks. The Bills are going to come into this game, I think, absolutely feeling themselves. They won. They're now on a six-game winning streak. 
Uh, they've been in playoff games for, I don't know, seven or eight weeks now. Um, they're a battle-tested team. They're good. But, man, I tell you what, they are in for a fight on Sunday night in Orchard Park, and I can't wait to see how they respond to pressure and frustration because I promise you it's coming. It is coming. Yeah, I mean, this. so this is kind of like the third mega showdown of like the Chiefs dynasty, I would say. It really just feels like, okay, we're on a collision course and it's happening. And I feel like that was 2021 against Buffalo. And I think it was 2022 against Cincinnati. Um, and now this year, it's just it's just kind of, all right, this is it. Cards on the table. Let's, let's see what these guys got. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. But the pressure, and this was kind of like my biggest take after that 2021 game, was the pressure on Buffalo to win the next one after dropping the first two to Kansas City and Mahomes in the playoffs, the pressure on the next one on Buffalo is immense. Because if it's not doesn't happen this year, when is it going to happen, man? And it's just the 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 pressure of, you know, Chiefs of Chief talk to a Chiefs here right now like every single one of us is full of confidence. And why? Because we've been here before and we've done it and there's no pressure. We're playing with house money, we're defending champs, we've been here. You know, I'm I'm texting with our guy Billy Pesto a little bit. He is not confident going into this game. He's very upset about the linebacker injuries. He says Kelsey is going to feast. We're not going to see how washed he actually is. He's throwing he's throwing shade while not being confident at the time. And I think this is just you know a look into what Buffalo fans are feeling because this is what Chiefs fans thought before Mahomes came in and changed everything. Like, all the pressure is on all the weight. Their entire history of the Buffalo Bills is on their shoulders right now, and they can feel it. Um, and sometimes that can even backfire when you're in your home stadium. Chiefs fans know that feeling all too well. Once something that starts going south, it's just like, okay, it's like a collective gasp among like sixty or 70,000 people. And it's just like, okay, okay, no, we're fine, we're fine. No, just don't, we're fine, we're going to be fine. And it's just like the, the pressure, the nerves start to spread. And, and that is something that they have to deal with and the Chiefs don't have to deal with. And I think that might be, you know, one of the one of the biggest factors going into this game is is that kind of pressure. And I think Pe- Pesto's mindset is kind of just a, you know, a look into the eyes of Bills fans. They're afraid of losing this game, whereas Chiefs fans are excited as hell to finally see playoff road Mahomes out there. We have a, a Bills fan in the comments section right now. And the only, like, actually, like, measured thing that this person has said is that it's hard to call it a rivalry if you don't win. And I think that that's where a lot of Chiefs fans would look. They would say, look at it. Like, Josh Allen is 3-1 and one against the Chiefs in the regular season, and he constantly comes into Arrowhead and beats the Chiefs during the regular season. But you get into the postseason, and the Chiefs are 2-0 and oh against the Bills. Here are the quarterbacks that Josh Allen has beaten in the playoffs. Philip Rivers on the Colts. Beat Lamar Jackson once. Justin Herbert. I believe has one playoff win. Another guy that can't seem to get it done when it matters. Uh, He beat Mac Jones. He beat Skyler Thompson. And he beat Mason Rudolph. Rudolph and Thompson are literal backup quarterbacks that were forced into action because of injuries to starters. Mac Jones lost his job this year. Again, Lamar 
uh, struggles in the playoffs, and then uh, like 38, 39-year-old Philip Rivers. Um, you know, might as well have been Justin Herbert out there. Uh, I just look at it and I say, How dare you? I, I, I say, you know what? Like, physically, to me, Josh Allen is LeBron. Like, rare size and skills at his position make him extremely difficult to defend as like an individual player. But unlike LeBron, who always looks to make the right play, sometimes even to his detriment, Josh is prone to making some of the goofiest decisions I've ever seen on a football field. I mean, I I, I think that when the pass rush ramps up, when Spagnolo gets in his bag, they said against Miami, seven different fronts and eight different coverages, I believe. Spags is just throwing stuff out there, doing everything he can to confuse guys pre-snap. Um, ultimately, to me, I think it just comes down to, can you tackle Josh Allen? Because I know they're going to be able to confuse him. I would imagine they're going to be able to turn him over once or twice. Um, it, it, it's it's going to come down to what they can do defensively uh, because I don't see a whole lot from that Bills defense that scares me. Well, they've been playing a lot better lately, the defense, um, but they did have some concerning injuries. Like, as Pesto was referring to, their linebacker went down in this game, and that means playing A.J. Klein and another dude uh, who was they're already backups because Matt Milano should be the starter in there. So they're down to their at least second stringers inside. Uh, they had cornerback injuries. I haven't seen much of a report on them yet, uh, but that is pushing like first round disappointment. Kyra Elam, is that his name? Uh, yeah, who yeah. they, who like, they ended up with because we took Jason Elam, former Bronco kicker. Yeah, exactly. I totally see the resemblance. Yeah. Uh, so they kind of ended up with him because they wanted uh, McDuffie, but we stole him away. Um, and then they were playing some other corner. Damn, I don't have, I forgot to write down his name, but he was getting picked on, uh, towards the end of the, that Steelers game. Um, so that's, that's something they have to deal with on defense, but their defense has been, a, it had a huge lull in the middle of the season. It's gotten, it's bounced back and been better, uh, ever since, uh, you know, McDermott was shouting out the, uh, jihadists of 9 11. Um, but with Josh Allen, Josh Allen, a stab for you from that story. I, I, I truly cannot believe that they ended up winning their division and the two seed after that story. It says a lot about Sean McDermott, man. Like, I think he's in the Andy Reid tree, and I think that he is a great football coach. I don't know if he's a great coach because I, I think their defense is kind of the one that let him down. I, don't, I, I That's that's debatable in my mind. But I do think that's a rallying cry uh, for the team. And we talked about the rallying cries don't have to be like, accurate they don't have to be like make sense and be like oh man yeah that's that's a cool one you just need everybody to buy in and to believe in it and i think once that happened it's the bills are just like okay everybody in this locker room let's fucking go like we talked about it with when mahomes and andy complained about the refs they don't have to be like on the right side of history here or anything like that they have to have everybody in that locker room buy in to believe it and and rally around it and i i think you're kind of seeing that with the well jerry sneed stuff too although i do think that's legit uh, a quick Josh Allen stat. He is 17 and 0 since 2020 when he doesn't throw an interception. Um, so that will be something to watch. He, it's, he, he likes to throw them. Um, the Bills have the number one rush offense over the final nine weeks of the season. Um, that's kind of been the biggest change since they changed offensive coordinators. I think that's like since it happened, right? Like since Joe Brady took over the offense, they're the number one rushing team in the league. 
essentially. And that's been the big change. Like the offense hasn't been like that much better, but there has been kind of a style change with it, which is, it's really weird because we've seen like Mahomes and Allen like go off and be these all-time quarterbacks and these unicorns and, and they can do everything. And now both teams, Chiefs are kind of leaning into being a defensive team. Bills are kind of leaning more into being a running team and kind of limiting Josh Allen's mistakes. It's a really funny turn that we've seen like from these two teams. Um, so those are just two interesting stats. I've got some Mahomes stats here. Can I talk on turnovers real quick before you get there? Go for it. So you, you mentioned like Josh likes to give the ball away. I mean, I, Nick Wright has been chronicling Josh Allen's turnovers uh, really since he started to become the player that he is. But Josh Allen has led the league in turnovers since he entered the league. He's turned it over more than anybody. Listen to this. This this will put some things in perspective for you. Uh, this year, in the turnover differential column, we know that the Chiefs really struggled here. Uh, they weren't taking the ball away very much. Uh, Mahomes had his most interceptions in a single season. Uh, really just kind of had some bad luck uh, throughout the year. The Bills end up plus two, and the Chiefs, you know where the Chiefs finished the year in turnover differential? Minus eight. Minus 11. Oof. I mean, it's not great, folks. It's not great. But um, I mean, they were they were negative last year too. It's it's just wild that they've had this much success while contain like while sustaining a negative tur- turnover differential. So here here is uh, the difference between the Chiefs and Bills in terms of their turnover differential. Uh, in giveaways, turnovers, Chiefs and Bills tied for seventh. 28 turnovers apiece. Both teams giving the ball away. But when it comes to takeaways, the Bills are second in the league, 30 takeaways in the regular season. The Chiefs are 28th with 17 takeaways. So I don't necessarily know what that says because, like, I'd have to go and look. I I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if they're getting you know, the quarterback off schedule and forcing bad throws. You know, I don't know if guys are making excellent plays to to cut off a route or what. I, I don't watch the Bills every week. I'm not sure how these turnovers are happening. But I know that the Bills defense, no matter how, what kind of streak they might be on, you said they've kind of, you know, been playing better of late. That Bills defense doesn't have Trey Davius White. They don't have Matt Milano. Now they don't have Terrell Bernard. Um, they were missing Rasul Douglas. They were missing Taylor Rapp. Um, you know, and and some of these guys might be back in the mix, but like, I don't think they have a single player on their defense healthy right now that is in the same realm. Uh, you could say Ed Oliver, I guess. Uh, I know they seem to really like Ed Oliver, uh, apart, but apart from him, I mean, Chris Jones, Trip McDuffie, Legarius Sneed. Nick Bolton, I mean, on and on and on down the line. And I know you still have a guy like Jordan Poyer in the secondary, a captain. He's been around for a long time, but I, I'm just not afraid of that unit. And, and one thing I think will be really interesting watching how they end up matching up with one another is that bills pass rush. Like I, I, I look at this dolphins game and don't get me wrong. It's expected. You mentioned that, like the the Chiefs. Uh, well, well, oh, what was it? What was the line? The uh, the welfare, the Chiefs welfare office. 
uh, all the all the, the the defenders that Miami was picking up trying to rush Pat Mahomes uh, on Saturday night. He had all day to throw, man. He was so comfortable in that game. It was it it's again expected, but it was great to see the offensive line performing that way. Um, I don't know exactly what to expect against that Bills front. I know that they have a lot of highly drafted talent. Many of those guys haven't necessarily panned out and become the players that you want to see, but both teams, Chiefs and Bills, like I said, they are tied at 28 giveaways on the season. Uh, The difference has been the Bills have been taking the ball away from their opponent and the Chiefs have not, but I still think it's not even much of a contest in terms of the quality of play on the defense. And I just feel so much more confident in the Chiefs being able to slow down the Bills than the Bills being able to slow down the Chiefs. Yeah, and they kind of have they have a pass rush by committee kind of thing. They had this is a thing of six guys over five sacks or so. It looks like five guys here. Leonard Floyd at Oliver, Terrell Bernard, who got hurt, AJ Vanessa, Greg Russo. Uh that doesn't even include Daquan Jones, who missed time and came back. Uh, or Von Miller, who apparently is still alive and playing somehow and not incarcerated. Uh, so shout out to him. Um, let's get to these Mahomes stats, because there's a lot of talk about Mahomes going on the road. Mahomes as an underdog, it'll be his first, not his first playoff game as an underdog. He was, we were actually underdogs against the uh, Eagles in the Super Bowl last year at one point. Weren't we uh, uh, against Tampa too? No. Favored in that game. Favored? Ooh. We should we should have won. We blew it. <laughs> uh, but I, I wanted to look at some Mahomes stats here, see how he's fared um, as an underdog. Um, two and a half points right now. I think it's kind of good. It was at two, went up to two and a half, and it's still numbers are skewing even higher. Maybe, uh, but Bills have injuries here. Mahomes is an underdog. He has a seven and three record. The three losses for Mahomes as an underdog. The Chiefs have scored fifty-one. You might remember that game. They've scored 40. That was in New England against Bill Belichick. And 20 points, which was actually against the Bills um, in last year's game. Um, In those uh, 10 games, he has 33 touchdowns against nine picks. And the team is averaging 36.3 points per game. That is Mahomes as an underdog. Um, I think he thrives in that role. He eats it up. He wants to be the underdog, even even when the Chiefs are the favorite. It's I mean, it's kind of the old the old Patriots storyline there. Uh, how about Mahomes on the road? A lot of talk. Mahomes never won a playoff game on the road. Uh, he's also never won a game in the 1970s uh, because neither of them have happened. He hasn't had the opportunity to do so. How about Mahomes on the road versus his home on the road versus his home numbers? 38 and 11 on the road in his career. Two games better than his home record of 36 and 11. Uh, this is regular season only, by the way. Uh, 68% completion into 65. Uh, 1,600 more yards passing. That's 22 per game more on the road. He has 19 more touchdowns. He has eight fewer sacks. He has an 8.3 yards per attempt to 7.5. He has 126 more rushing yards on the road. And his QB rating is 107.6 to 99.3 at home. Basically, across the board, better at everything on the road in his career. Yep. Um, which is wild to see. I mean, it's. I mean, I, I kind of believed it. I always thought he's he's good on the road. Uh, but he eats these environments up. He loves being the underdog. He loves going on the road, being the villain. Uh, I think he is very, very, very ready for this opportunity. Coming off what I would say is his best game of the season, 
and I'm I'm ready to see him explode. I'm I'm ready to see Road play off Mahomes in our faces. I saw a clip of him. I don't know if the clip is recent. I don't know if it's something that like just happened. But I saw a clip of him that was maybe only 10 seconds long. And the guy asked him one of KCSN's favorite questions for uh, college guys coming in. Would you rather be the hero at home or the villain on the road? And he said, man, I actually really like being the villain. And all of those numbers, I think, are emblematic of that. He's better at basically everything on the road. He he takes his game to a different level. Um, and he certainly does so in the postseason as well. I do think, like, if, if we want to look for some potential areas of concern for this team... Um, I would imagine that people are still thinking about the red zone in the back-to-back games that I have said were the best games of the year, the Week 17 against the Bengals, and then ultimately the wild-card game against the Dolphins. I see you've got your finger on me. Uh, on the red zone, I'm not sure if you're going to get there, but I I, didn't, I forgot to get to this in our Dolphins notes. Uh, one side of the field, the, fro- the end zone was just frozen. I mean, and so none of the touchdowns in the game happened on that side. All three happened on the other side. She's kicked all four of their field goals on that end. Uh, it just seemed like, and you could kind of see some of the all 22 uh, plays, and it's just like the receivers couldn't cut at all. I mean, it's just like taking, you know, six baby steps before they can try and make a cut. I think it was really tough to throw. And then they, they did kind of score that touchdown to Rasheed Rice, but that wasn't even, you know, a, a throw down field or anything. It was just a screen. And that was, I think, basically all they could do at that point. I don't think they could really feel, I don't think they felt comfortable calling like normal pass plays into that end zone because I just don't think they trust their footing down there. And you could see that that side of the field was was like that. And and that was all four field goals. So I think that's somewhat of an excuse. You know, this obviously extends into the Cincinnati game, so it's not like a uh, overarching excuse for everything, but it's something they need to shore up. I mean, this this could be the downfall of the team if they don't shore it up in the red zone. This is something they have to figure out. They went Two of six, two touchdowns and four field goals in the red zone. Um, One field goal, as we mentioned earlier, should have been a touchdown. Phantom bad penalty. Um, On their four failures in the red zone, the third down play that like sealed it, that made it so that they were going to kick a field goal. The first one, bad snap from Creed. Play was doomed from the start. The second one, batted ball at the line of scrimmage. Sucks. Doesn't happen very often to Mahomes, but it happens. His third one was when they called that screen on like third and eight, and everybody was like, situationally, Andy, what the hell are you doing? Oh, and, Mahomes, yeah. Mahomes, that. and Mahomes threw it at Pacheco's feet. He just, he just grounded it because he said, I'm going to, you know, we're going to just kick a field goal here. Basically, let's take the points. And then the last one, he had a rusher coming straight up the middle, right in his face, completely unblocked, and he threw the ball away. And as you mentioned, all four of these are on the icy end. So you have, you know, two things that can happen, you know, pretty regularly with the bad snap and the batted ball, and then twice Mahomes decides to throw the ball away and and take the points. And I don't want that to sound like excuses, but when you hear two of six in the red zone, it sounds like, oh my God, they had all these failures. And it's like, they scored every time. 
none of their six trips into the red zone, you know, resulted in a failure. They didn't turn the ball over, right? And like that's the kind of stuff that has been killing them is the turnovers on downs, uh, getting pushed out of field goal range, you know, Mahomes throwing a pick, whatever it is, fumbling the ball. Um, those kind of mistakes in the red zone they can't afford. If the Chiefs are getting in the red zone and they're kicking field goals, I know that people are worried. I'm just not. I'm not. It's part of the package of this team. Kick as many red zone field goals as you want. I'm going to be celebrating every single one of them. I want the points. A, a dirty Herman celebrator over there. Look at <laughs> look at you. You've really come around. I mean, Thanks. also, in, in this game, uh, I don't think they really needed to press the whole time. I think they kind of knew that three points was going to get the job done uh, for the rest of the game. I mean, they kicked their first field goal to go up 10 nothing and had complete control from that moment on. I don't think they were ever, like, stressing about it, like, have to get seven here. Let's bust out like, you know, let's use our number one play here uh, to score on this. I think it was just kind of like, you know, let's put it in if we can. Let's try and run the ball in. Let's try to get it easily. Let's throw a screen. If it doesn't happen, we'll kick the three and we'll we'll get out of here with the win because that's all that matters. But they do have to be better. I, I don't think they can go like, you know, two of six against the Bills and win this game. So it, it is somewhere that I think they will need to uh, improve upon. A couple notes from uh, last meeting. Injuries for the Chiefs. They did not have Drew Tranquil against the Bills in the last game, and they did not have Isaiah Pacheco. Um, Nick, That was Nick Bolton's first game back. We weren't sure if we're going to even have either of them. Uh, we did get Bolton, uh, and he got picked on a lot, especially early. Uh, it was all tight ends, and then James Cook out of the backfield. He had, like, was it 85 receiving yards or something like that? Um, so that was a big loss. It'll be interesting to see. What they do with those guys, if they're going to keep Bolton out there for every snap and, and you know, see if he still gets picked on. And you know that's going to be part of the Bills' game plan if he's there. They're going to try and isolate him onto, you know, a running back or a tight end. Kincaid is a problem. I mean, he's He might be his most trusted receiver right now with the swoon that we've seen from Stephon Diggs. Dalton Kincaid can, can put up numbers. He looks really good. Um, yep. And Pacheco not playing was, was big. I mean, Pacheco is a huge part of the team. Clyde had a valiant effort. But Pacheco is just a different guy, and they need him, especially in the playoffs, his physicality. Uh, looking at his playoff game log, his his fewest yards in the playoff game in his career is 76. So he's gone over 76 yards in all four of his playoff games, those four, far. Um, so an important part of the Chiefs' offense in the playoffs, for sure. I think defensively, when it comes to James Cook, um, whether it's in the passing game or it's the Bills' just determination to run the football really since Joe Brady took over. Uh, Derek Nadi got hurt in the game against Miami, did not return, said it was an elbow issue. Um, we mentioned last week that Chiefs signed Isaiah Bugs, uh, our boy. Big Craig. poo! Big uh, poo! Big poo. <laughs> uh, Craig Stout, pretty bullish on Big Poo. Uh, we do I have love, I love big poos. I love big poos. Shout out. We do have Mike Pinnell wearing number 69. I mean, just absolutely. Um, but you know, I, I think it's going to be important, uh, for those guys to be doing their jobs up front so that the linebackers can run free and make plays. Uh, obviously having tranquil will, will certainly help in terms of trying to mark James cook coming out of the backfield. Uh, Connor may be playing a big part in that too. Uh, Willie Gay playing some of his best football right now, knowing apparently that he's not going to be a chief next year. Um, it's kind of what everybody seems to think based on that tweet. Uh, you know, there's there there are some ways 
that Buffalo might be able to attack the Chiefs. I I totally get it. Uh, one way that I think that the Chiefs might be able to attack the Bills, um, man, it's playoff Patrick time. All right, the man had 42 yards rushing on just two scrambles. I told you guys that Patrick Mahomes was going to run the ball a little bit. We are in the playoffs. It's time to go. He had a 28-yard romp on fourth and four, and then the literal helmet-cracking carry in the red zone. Those the the two scrambles for Mahomes uh, with the linebacker play being what it is in Buffalo, uh, that is going to be a big test for them. Is, is Mahomes going to be killing them on third downs uh, being able to move the chains with his legs. Yeah, a, a great play. Good job of Andy to you know go for that fourth down. I feel like that might be one where he punted uh, in the regular season, but it was you know playoff time. I think he ramps up the aggressiveness a little bit, um, and just an iconic moment from the Mahomes helmet break. I mean, that's I think that's kind of how we're going to remember this game. Um, a few moments where uh, Andy's frozen mustache, um, that his helmet breaking in. Dude, the picture of it looking like the Grim Reaper which I never really got down on the Grim Reaper nickname. I wasn't, like, thrilled with it. But, man, the picture of it looking at the Grim Reaper was pretty damn awesome. Uh, that's floating all around Twitter. If you haven't uh, seen it by chance, um, go check that out. Um, and then the, just the hit from McDuffie on Tyreek, uh, I thought that was pretty awesome because for the second time in two meetings, we've seen the guy that, you know, we took in the Tyreek Hill trade just demolish Tyreek Hill. Just so uh, symbolic, man. It's just great. It's great. He, uh, he smashed him. Just smashed him. I couldn't believe Tua just left him out to dry like that. Right at the end you, of the game, too. Did you see the stat on Mahomes? Uh, we know that the Chiefs uh, were well behind. Uh, I believe it was uh, seven division championships behind all three of the other teams in the AFC West, and now they lead the Chiefs. Uh, have won eight straight AFC West titles, uh, most of that being in the Mahomes era. Did you see that before Mahomes took over, the Chiefs were 9-18 and 18 in the playoffs, and they are now at 500, 21-21. Uh, in other words, Patrick Mahomes is 12-3 and three in the playoffs. He's pretty good. He has literally turned this franchise's fortunes around. He yeah. literally took this franchise from a losing playoff franchise back to dead even, and now hopefully heading into the positive. Uh, do you want to do predictions? I don't really have too much. I, I'm, I think it's gonna be. I think it's one of those games where you're, you're just heading on a collision course, and the last two that we've seen have both been epic. The 13 seconds with the Bills, uh, the Bengals game last year that was you know back and forth in the fourth quarter, and just one of the more. Uh, draining wins I've seen in the as a Chiefs fan in the Mahomes era, especially. Um, so I'm expecting another classic like that. Uh, I do think anything's on the board. I could see either one of these teams getting hot. I don't. I guess hard to see the Chiefs get blown out. I could see the Chiefs kind of getting after them. Um, but you, do you have a prediction at all? I mean, I'm I'm going with the Chiefs win. I'm not going to pick them to lose. So I mean, I'll say an epic win. Um, you know, four to three or something like that. Since we're a defensive team now. Um, I wanted to ask you this chiefs at their best chiefs, a game with the roster that they have right now versus bills at their best, a game with the roster that they have right now. If both teams come out and play at their best, who wins the football game? 
I mean, I think it's got to be Chiefs because the the reason the Chiefs have struggled a lot this season is because getting in their own way. So if you're telling me they're at their A game, I'm expecting, you know, this year's defense and, you know, kind of last year's version of the offense almost where if they're not making the mistakes, we even saw some of the mistakes pop up in this game, you know, the Nicole deep shots, the Kelsey drops, the Jawan penalties. You know, if you're telling me it's their A game, they're going to clean those up. And I think they have a, you know, the best offense in the league and a top three defense in the league. So I don't think anybody could beat that. I think that I think the A game of the Chiefs is better than anybody in the league, probably even better than San Francisco. So yeah, yeah, I'll take Chiefs there. That's where I'm at. You know, a, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, the, you know, the Chiefs can't do these things in the in the red zone and win and this, that, and the other. I don't, it's, it's probably not going to be, uh, let's call it a clean game for both teams. Uh, there's just so much pressure. It's the playoffs. Mistakes happen. Uh, I do think it's going to be a pretty evenly matched game. Uh, you know, both quarterbacks probably going to turn the ball over once. Uh, maybe the, it's the second turnover for either team that really switches the fortunes of the game. Which, um, which in the last game was Rasheed Rice fumbling the ball. So, I mean, that's everyone looks at the Kadarius Tony penalty at the end, but you're also looking at a play like Rasheed Rice fumbling. That can kind of swing things. So just it could just be any player on the field fumbling at any time. Uh, it could just be a random play like that. Yeah, I mean, well, we... I think we're in for a pretty phenomenal football game. Um, I could, I could not be more excited than lining up against that team. Uh, you know, it, don't get me wrong. I think everybody would, would have been very pleased to see old Mason Rudolph and the Steelers come into Arrowhead. This well, would have been, this would have been Texas. Be so much more fun than that. Like I, I, I want this opponent. I want to play the bills. Um, and I really, as you mentioned, I am so excited to see Pat Mahomes do that on the road. Like get getting the first true road game in his playoff career. Uh, dude, I want to be keyed up. It's fantastic. Uh, we've got a couple super chat questions that we got to get to before we get out of here. Um, thoughts on Harbaugh? The, do the Chargers have a kingdom? Uh, is it more like like Chargers Chargers Village? I'm not totally sure. They got um, a beach. As far as I'm concerned, they got a beach. There you go. Um, I think that if the Chargers hired Harbaugh, I, as a Chiefs fan, would say, hey, they may have gotten it right. Um, you know, and, and that's, I think, as complimentary as I can be. I don't know what happens as far as the GM is concerned. Obviously, the Chargers have some interest. It's mostly about changing the culture in L.A. because that team, uh, they can't seem to stay healthy. They always seem to, you know, fool around at the end of games, give them away. Uh, but I think that that's a Chargers problem. I don't know if any one coach can really get them out of that. Uh, but Andy Reid did it here. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, are you, does he like worry you? Like if, if the Chargers hire Harbaugh, are you like, okay, all that talent that they've had on this team and now they have a real coach? Uh, no, they don't worry me because I think they already shit all over that window. I think they had the window when Herbert was on his rookie deal and they they lost that. Uh, so I think it'd be a good hire. I mean, that's that's what you want to do is bring in someone like that. It would probably bring some excitement to the team um, and it would probably clean up a lot of their shit. Uh, so I think it'd be a good hire, but I don't think I could be scared of anything. I mean, he could put God as the coach of the Chargers. I don't think I'd be scared. I'd be like, bring, bring it on. Bring it on. 
the second super chat question shout out to john dold here why would andy continue to play Mahomes with less than five minutes in the game i don't know when i sent it out but i said pull the starters folks oh, this yeah. game is over i think it was even before the last touchdown i think so it was when it was 197 because it's just miami was just not there to compete anymore they just looked done uh how, how about this one did you notice that the uh, the touchdown for the Dolphins, you know what drive it came on? Third. Yeah. The Nick Bolton went and sat on the bench drive. Ah. So I'll figure a couple things no. out. Uh, Miami, Miami scores, but I think it was in two plays. So it's not like he got a lot of time to sit there and adjust. But whatever they did, it worked. <laughs> uh, I mean, were you at all worried? Like, I... I don't know at what point in the game against Pittsburgh, uh, like Terrell Bernard got hurt. Uh, the the important middle linebacker who had played really well in replacing Matt Milano all season. Uh, I don't I don't know. I mean, it was a one score game in the fourth quarter, so you know, it, it, it is a weird thing. I mean, the weird one was like Bradley Chubb for the Dolphins. I mean, he got hurt when that they were losing to Baltimore by like thirty points. That's the point where it's just like you got to just. Get, get everybody of importance out of there. Uh, I tweeted, I always go back and read my old tweets during the game. I tweeted at some point, why are they even running plays? Just kneel the ball. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what point that was at. I don't know if I was frustrated at something or someone got banged up or something. Uh, but obviously, yeah, once once it reaches a point, take everybody out. They were never going to put Mahomes in, in injuries way. Uh, but yeah, just at, at that point, get everybody out. I have no idea why it was at. Well, Dirk, the Chiefs <clears throat> and Bills are squaring off on Sunday night. Uh, not Peacock this time. It is NBC. We will have Snitch Collinsworth. Not too excited about that. <laughs> not too excited. To you're, more of a, you're more of a Jason Garrett guy? <laughs> I mean, you know. Three things to focus on this game. Ball, ball, ball. Clap! <laughs> <laughs> And actually, there was only like one football the entire game. It was at the very end. It was kind of weird. Like, it didn't, the cold didn't seem to bother him that much. Like, it was weird. I think it's the heated fields, but like watching this game versus watching like the NFC Championship game with Coughlin when his face like starts peeling off, that game seemed way colder, even though this one was technically colder. So I don't, I think it's the heated field. Um, oh, Nick points out the Bulls, the Bills don't have a heated field, but it'll only be like 15 or 20 this week. That, that's child's play. Child's right. play. Plus, both teams are used to it. Um, I mean, honestly, like by the time the game starts, I'm just going to be so excited about what's going on that I probably won't even be bothered. He's like, I don't know, Mike, uh, Josh Allen, he's just what an incredible guy. Like I called him the dude in the last game, which, which offended me to great lengths. I wasn't a big fan of that, but, uh, uh, and a shout out to, uh, our guy, Jason Ringer brought a Tua cold. For the dolphin sign to the game this week, held it up on his cardboard. Great week for cardboard awareness this week. Nice. Uh, great week for t- the Tua Cold movement. Uh, Tua Cold now two and O, Tua and O in games. Um, so good things all around. Was it Tua Cold in Germany? No, Tua the Tua Cold, the Raiders game of 2016 uh, at this uh, game. Yeah, yeah. All right, we got it. We got it. Uh, all right, folks, Chiefs-Bills uh, Sunday night for the uh, rights to go to the AFC Championship for the sixth straight season. Uh, it's a big one, folks. This has been Aaron Trower. I'm Scott all He says Dirkness and Justin Herbert.
is Philip Rivers. What's Tua? Uh, 